We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And uh, what a game. The 49ers beat the Rams 27-24 in their season finale. And we are going to talk about it because, damn. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Was that the best? And I and I say this not because of recency bias. I say this having run through the Rolodex of games during my hour-long drive home today. But was that the best win of the Kyle Shanahan era? It was the best regular season win, I would say. Right, because I mean, you're not good. You, yeah, that. Well, you, that's that. Okay, yeah, to to, do, <laughs> to dominate the Packers in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, no, regular season win. Yeah. Um, yeah, easily, easily the best regular season win under the Kyle Shanahan era. I think so many things about that game were were really impressive, right? And it was, um, but it, it was just an incredible game from the back and forth, from the stakes, from the subplot, from the way it happened um to the you know the players who stepped up which which we'll all get into but yeah i mean it was the best game under the best regular season game under the kyle shanahan era and the 49ers absolutely had to have it and they got it and look like you know like we spend a lot of time on here nitpicking a lot of things that the 49ers do um and rightfully so i mean that's that's what we do we podcast three times a week so we have to we have to come up with things to talk about because we only talk about one team mainly Right, but like this was this was a credit to Kyle Shanahan and just sort of and John Lynch because of you know I don't want to be too cliche here, but like the culture you have to have in your building to have resiliency like that mm-hmm. um, is just super important. And and our buddy Nick Wagner asked Fred Warner after the game, and and I thought this was an excellent point. He said, "Didn't it feel like that game was sort of a microcosm of, of the entire season?" and you know, the 49ers lost four in a row early on in the mm-hmm. year. Um, and they fell down 17 nothing in this game. And then they had a really nice stretch. And then they gave up a touchdown late, which was sort of like that Titans loss a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then, so you think about it in those terms, it, it is just, it, it was an, an incredible piece of theater, really, and an incredible cap to a 49ers regular season. Like, to be frankly, like, was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And like, it wasn't a super fun season to talk about during the mm-hmm. season as it was going. And there wasn't one game where you're like, man, that was, that was super interesting and super exciting. It was like, it finally felt like um, it, it finally felt like we got a really important key moment. Um, that was, that was, that was just exciting to watch, exciting to, to see how it unfolded given the context of the season 
given the conversations that, you know, you and I have had about Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, like, you know, I'll admit it, like Kyle Shanahan and, and Jimmy Garoppolo even more so like prove me wrong. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they, it it was, I, it was, you know, and we'll talk about it, but it was the most impressed I've been with Jimmy Garoppolo since he became the 49ers starting quarterback. And, And I thought that was Kyle Shanahan's best regular season game too. Um, and it's a credit to them. And and look, they they had to have it and their backs were against the wall and they got it and they did it in a way um, that I certainly didn't expect them to. So it's a credit to them. And now, look, like the 40, the, the regular season doesn't matter anymore. Sure. All the 49ers have to do is just keep winning. Right. And, you know, I, I think they can play with anybody. And, yeah. and we can talk. We'll talk about that throughout the week. But this is this this is going to be more about. Tonight's pod is going to be more about just how that game went. Right. Um, but those those were the things that stood out to me. So I want to I want to start with kind of the overall improbability of what happened. And I know you have hard and fast numbers that'll back this up. But that game starts, the Rams go down, Niners hold them in the red zone, they kick a field goal. Rams can't run the ball. Niners defensive line looks really good. A uh, couple of couple of shots to Cooper Cup where those are just going to happen. And the Rams kick a field goal. But then the Niners come out and look bad. And Garoppolo didn't look super comfortable. Um, they The Rams wind up going 17-0, going up 17-0. Garoppolo has the, the really bad fumble where the ball just kind of got poked out of his hand. And they lose 14 yards on that play. And he has the really bad interception where, yeah, he got hit as he was throwing, but I didn't see anyone really in the area that that ball was going to get completed to anyways. And it just felt like not even so much. Oh, he's hurt. It felt like, Oh, this is just a bad Garoppolo game. Like this is what happens sometimes with him. You're going to get a couple of bad turnovers. And instead of coming spaced out like they did against the Titans, they all kind of came in a wave and all of a sudden the Rams are up 17, nothing home and they're rolling at home in quotes There are a lot of Niner fans. There's crazy. But um, just from that aspect, like being down 17, nothing and looking lifeless, it didn't feel like there was any way where, okay, even if the Niners offense gets rolling, how are they going to get stops? They're going to need five or six stops in this game. And they don't have anybody that can cover Cooper cup. Nobody can really can. That guy's incredible, but it's Dante Johnson out there trying to run with them. And, and Jimmy Ward is in good coverage and still getting beat. It's like there was there was nothing that happened in those first 30 minutes, even as the Niners kicked a field goal at the end of the half, that made you feel like, okay, they're in this. This is all going to be okay. Yeah. In the in the first half, and the, then Rams, it was. <laughs> the, the Rams were converting basically all their f- third downs. I mean, they finished the it, first thir- half converting seven of 10. Third and 12, third and six, third and one, didn't matter. Yeah, they, they outgained the 49ers 80 to 15 in the first quarter. It was just like, okay, it, it was one of those games where they clearly didn't have it early, which is jarring because mm-hmm. typically you see them sharp on like their first few drives, right? Like the scripted plays right. are always are always pretty sharp generally. So it was a little alarming from that standpoint. And I wanted to text you this during the game, but I, I didn't do it. I know the the stats, you know, Sean McVay was 45 and 0 as Rams coach when he had the lead. But it never really felt like you could trust the Rams with a big lead. Right? In a game like that, like okay, we're up 17 nothing. You know, Gar- Jimmy Garoppolo just turned it over. He's hurt. This is all going to unravel for them like you could see it, it just the Rams and and sort of I get maybe Matthew Stafford plays into this a little bit. But it just despite that stat, that 45 and 0 stat, um, it, it just seems like you can, you didn't really trust the Rams to hold on to that lead because they can't, they couldn't really run the ball. And the 49ers yeah. have been so good in their last eight games, defending the run really ever since that Cardinals game, that, that Colt McCoy loss the Niners mm-hmm. run defense has been really good. And the only I game think they were like where the, second in DVOA. Yeah. And the only, the, the only game where it wasn't, was that Seahawks game when 73 of their 146 yards they allowed on the ground came on that punt, uh, that fake punt touchdown, right? Right. So 
you sort of felt like, okay, like I, I guess the freak out to this from like 49ers fans and people on Twitter is probably understandable at the moment because you need to win. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look good. Like, you know, I was wondering, cause he lost that fumble. He was just gripping the ball with one hand. And anytime anybody swipes at, at his hand and hits it, you're like, all right, is that, is that going to aggravate the injury or is the injury a problem? The interception was bad, right? Like kind of floated it up in the middle of the field. Nobody was there except for like mm-hmm. four Rams guys, to your point. It was really bad. <laughs> and that's just, that's just Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he's just prone to right. do that. And that's, you know, really the biggest problem with him, but yeah, just the, the improbability of it, like, you know, and, and again, crediting our guy, Nick, like the Niners were one in, was the number one in 89, one in 89 in games where they yes. trailed by at least 17 points since 2011. And now they're, they're two and 89 in those scenarios. Do you know what, did he say what the one was or do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. It was that Eagles game week three, 2011. We did a oh, old, old rush. Yeah. Also, weren't they down 17 nothing in the NFC title game? I remember so, that being I, a thing, since I didn't apparently matter. remember nothing about that game. You you probably remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they were down 17 nothing to the to the Falcons. But go ahead. Can can we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh yeah, I want I want to I want to expand on your point real quick though. Okay. And the Rams and not being able to hold a lead. I don't know if it was just me. Or if it's the vibe of the Rams. But when Debo Samuel, excuse me, to open the third quarter, the Niners go down like their offense was looked like it did in the first quarter against Tennessee. Like it looked like they were going to get whatever they want. And then on a third and two, Debo Samuel takes a handoff off the right side and scores. There was this feeling to me and it felt like the way the Rams played of this like here we go again type of thing like they were they went up 17 nothing they give up a field goal and a touchdown it was like this game's over they they don't they don't think that they can get stops now and that like I said that that's super just me projecting but it really felt that way after the Niners made it 17 10 it wasn't like oh the Rams are going to go score here and the Niners aren't going to ever be able to get over the hump it felt like after that Debo Samuel touchdown, it's like, all right, they're rolling now. And the Rams just don't, aren't going to have any answers because they never do. They, I mean, the, so Kyle Shanahan mentioned it after the game, a couple guys mentioned it, and it was sort of similar to the Trey Lance start last week and getting that field goal before halftime was big just because it proved, you know, there was a, there was a big Brandon IU catch on that series. Like it, it just sort of got things going. And mm-hmm. what was sort of like the kickstart that they need. And it wasn't like, obviously a touchdown would have been better there, but like just to get points on the board, to get a little bit of momentum to go into the halfing, like, all right, we scored. Now we get the ball back. We can make it a one score game. Mm-hmm. That was big. Um, and then in the third quarter, it was just all about the 49ers physicality, right? Yes. Like the 49ers outgained, yes. outgained the Rams 152 to negative two. <laughs> And they were four or oh five on third down and they scored the two touchdowns to, to come back and tie the game. But it was just like, you could see it. It was like Debo Samuel's run and the Rams have seen Debo Samuel score a lot of rushing touchdowns against them, particularly mm-hmm. during this winning streak. Right. Um, and then the next one, they run the ball 10 straight times and then Debo Samuel gets the handoff and throws the <laughs> touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings. And we had sort of been waiting for Kyle Shanahan to pull something like that out for a while right like we mm-hmm. you know like it was sort of like that 2019 saints game when um emmanuel sanders made the throw to, to raheem mostert it was like right. kyle shanahan had tried some of those trick plays but they never really worked and right you know there were probably three or four times this whole season he's tried stuff like that and then today it actually worked in a huge spot and yeah. um you know debo samuel mentioned it or i guess kyle shanahan did too but like these guys post game were like yeah setting it up with all those runs was huge. And Debo right. said like Jalen Ramsey was crashing on the edges every time Debo got the ball and overplaying it a little bit. And that's really what set that play up was the fact that Jalen right. Ramsey was down trying to stop Debo on the, um, on the outside run. And that left a big gaping hole for, for Juwan Jennings to find in the secondary for the touchdown. So, I mean, it was just, 
It was a great Jimmy the Rams. It was a signature moment for like a lot of players. It felt right. like. And it happened because the Rams have the weakest chin in the league. Ooh. Like seriously, they got they got punched in the mouth once and folded. Yeah. Like that's what happened. Like it, the, did, the 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 49ers dominated the final 30 minutes of that game. Didn't it feel like Sean McVay celebrating in the end zone with his players was like Oh my god, dude, that was I was going to tweet it at the time. I was going to tweet it at the time, but it felt like everything was going awry. And I was like, you know what? I'm not trying to get, I don't, I've been less on Twitter lately, so I'm not going to bother people. But that felt like the Ray Allen, LeBron James, like celebrating in front of the Mavs bench in the 2011 NBA finals. And then the Mavs went on this huge run and won that game and won the series that had that kind of energy to it. It's like, what are you doing? It's the second quarter. Right. But in that moment, it felt like everything was going to go wrong for the 49ers. If your coach is celebrating in the end zone, it probably shouldn't be in like the second quarter of the game. Correct. I'm totally with you. That was a sweet play call, though, on the Higby touchdown. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, it was great. It was a fourth down. It was, you know, it was a big play in the game, but. um, It's the second quarter, my guy. Relax. Second quarter. Yeah, it was. It was another one. Like there, there are these moments in some in these Niners Rams games where you're like, all right, yeah, it definitely feel like it feels like Kyle Shanahan's and Sean McVay's head a little bit, in like yeah. completely different ways, right? Like it was earlier this season, it was the fake field goal try, yeah, right. That DJ Jones stuff down. It's like, oh, Kyle Shanahan's in his head, right? Like that's something that yeah. would happen. And then Sean McVay going to to celebrate a touchdown to go up seventeen nothing over Kyle Shanahan in the, in the second, second quarter. quarter of a game is like, man, you're you, and that's are really trying to be Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> well, and that's all right. So that's one of the things this week. And I, I really want to get to Jimmy Garoppolo here, but that was just kind of one of the things is the whole week. It's like, is Kyle Shanahan in his head? Is he pushing his buttons? What is it? It's like, no, the Niners just dominated today. The 49ers were just a better team. I don't think Sean McVay did anything. The only weird thing he did was on the third and seven late on their, on their last drive before they punted it back to the Niners. They ran a just super uninspired run play, like that didn't even look like they were trying to pick up the first down. Right. Like it was clearly like hand the ball off and just hey, just fall, just don't fumble it, and we're gonna punt it back to him. That was right. weird. That was one of those like, wait, you have Cooper Cup on your team and you're not gonna try to get him the football here. That was yeah, that I, was kind of weird. I mean, I get it. Like if the Niners needed just a field goal to tie it, I get why. But I mean, you need to burn clock there and you need to kill it. And like I said, like the Niners had a 0.4% chance at winning that game after they punted back. So like even, you know, letting Jimmy, forcing Jimmy Garoppolo to go the full length of the field with a screwed up thumb, like was the right decision. If you're the Rams, in my opinion. Um, No, and I'm not, I I get that, but I I think you could have done something a little more creative. That just didn't even look like they were, were trying. It was right. Like Kyle, Kyle Shanahan would have tried like one of those Debo Samuel runs. Right. Right. Something, like at least that's more, more creative, creative than like a run up the middle to, yeah, you know, to somebody when the Niners are loading the box and clearly stopping everything you're doing in the running game. But to that point, they're punting it back to Jimmy Garoppolo with what, like, um, uh, how much time was left? A minute 27. Um, I think that the Rams, the Rams didn't think that Jimmy Garoppolo could do that. I didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo could do that. <laughs> I thought Kyle Shanahan could do it. Like I was like, okay, they might scheme some stuff up, but Jimmy Garoppolo just made throws, dude. Like flat out. Yeah, I mean, look, it was that was an that was an all freaking timer. It was easily Jimmy Garoppolo's best game as a 49er, regular season or postseason. Yes. Yes. Highest stakes. I mean, it was his signature moment. Right? Like it started out poorly. I was wondering if, you know, everybody was wondering if Trey Lance would start the second half and yeah. Kyle Shanahan didn't have any doubts. And to your point you made earlier, it didn't look like he was physically impacted too much by the injury. And he said, he said his, his finger was numb. So clearly there were some, um, how do you say the synthetic <laughs> agents involved <laughs> medical stuff? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, 23 of 32, 316 yards one touchdown, two picks, but it was, I mean, his touchdown came at 
an enormous time. You have a minute 27 mm-hmm. left with zero timeouts and you go down and get a touchdown and he pushed the ball downfield in a way that we typically yes. don't associate with Jimmy Garoppolo that throw to Debo Samuel that went f- for 55 yards. That might be his best throw of the season. And then, you know, Kyle Shanahan did a great job. Kyle Shanahan schemed up a walk-in untouched touchdown Insane. to tie the game. Like totally the, ridiculous. The route combination Juwan Jennings ran with Brandon Ayuk against that coverage was absolutely the perfect look because Brandon Ayuk got depth and occupied two players while Juwan Jennings just kind of sat down in the zone and was wide open. Yeah. And like in the last minute drive to score a game tying touchdown at the end of regulation, like that stuff just doesn't happen. And we always talk about how condensed the red zone gets you know, like that, like walking touchdowns like that are, you know, that that's just not something that happens. And yeah, the Rams defense probably wasn't ideal there, but it was just a great play call against that look. And Jimmy Garoppolo delivered. And and there were some throws, you know, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the interception to George Kittle and the uh, when trying to hit George Kittle and like quadruple coverage was rough. And incredible play by Jalen Ramsey, though incredible play yeah but it was you know it was, at, at that point it was like all right George Kittle hasn't really gotten involved in this game at all and it sort of felt like that, that Jimmy was forcing it to George a little bit particularly in like the key moments um like in overtime too they were you know just trying to get George Kittle the ball um even when it wasn't like the most ideal scenario but look like the thing that we've always sort of harped on with Jimmy Garoppolo I mean what what he was able to do on Sunday was really maximize all of his weapons and he actually did make big throws downfield Brandon Ayuk best game of the season 107 yards it felt a little quiet because he wasn't scoring touchdowns and Debo Samuel was responsible for all the touchdowns like Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel four catches 95 yards Juwan Jennings six catches 94 yards and two touchdowns like we had looked at this 49ers offense and said they have enough weapons to potentially be really lethal. Right. Mm -hmm. And today in combination with the running game, like it felt like the 49ers offense was as balanced as it's been all season, but ultimately what spurred that was the way they physically took over the game in the third quarter Mm -hmm. by running the ball 10 times, sort of breaking the Rams will it felt like to tie the game. And then they took control and then the Rams gained it back after that Jimmy Garoppolo interception because um, they went back and, and instead of the 49ers even getting a field goal there, they get nothing. And then the Rams go back and take uh, the, tw- the, um, the 24-17 lead. And it was like, man, are the 49ers really going to lose because Jimmy Garoppolo threw a red zone interception? Like, is that really how this thing is going to go? And you could absolutely see it because things like that have happened before. It was recently like mm-hmm. the Tennessee game. But it was just for the 49ers to bounce back and win that game in a huge spot and for Jimmy Garoppolo to do it after pl- historically not being good when playing injured, um, mm-hmm. after everything he's dealt with last offseason with the 49ers drafting Trey Lance, after all the discussion from us and you know elsewhere about the 49ers need to just move on and cut bait and just give Trey Lance a starting job and start the future now. Like for Jimmy Garoppolo to do that, in a big moment, like it speaks a lot to Jimmy Garoppolo, just sort of the human. Cause it's like the, the football, he didn't do anything that we didn't think he could do physically as a football player, but it was mm-hmm. just like what it takes mentally to be like, I'm playing through this pain. I'm going to overcome it. And I'm going to play really well in the biggest game of the season in the biggest moments. That's a credit to Jimmy Garoppolo. And look, I'll maintain, you know, as much as I've, I've said that the 49ers should move on to Trey Lance throughout the season. Like I'll maintain that I've always thought Jimmy Garoppolo has trade value and today's game certainly reinforces that. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like. And that'll be a conversation for a different day, but it was like this, you know, his teammates love him. His teammates all believe in him. Like, I think that stuff's mm-hmm. real. I don't think it's just, you know, those guys speaking in platitudes. Like I think they do right. really believe in Jimmy. And I think this game is sort of a manifestation of that. But I think that's where Jimmy Garoppolo's value is. It's not, it's not as a quarterback who's going to go throw for 5,000 yards and you know, toss 40 touchdown passes every year. It's just going to be a guy who has his limitations but can be a capable starting quarterback on a good team if you have a good supporting cast. And intangibly, he'll be somebody that people rally around. And, and I think that's a credit to him. And 
you can see why in a situation like that, um, why Kyle Shanahan made that decision. Right? Mm-hmm. Because we were we were all ready to destroy Kyle Shanahan, had the 49ers lost this game by a score with yep. you know a Jimmy Garoppolo turnover being the story of it right so it was a a credit to jimmy and a credit to to kyle shanahan for sticking with him you're over there worried about jimmy garoppolo's trade value i'm worried about trey lance's trade value what do you think they could get for him i'm joking i'm joking yes big time uh that's actually how i was going to structure that joke but i figured that was like an internet bit and i would do it i would do it the way i did it um no i'm glad we're on the same wavelength though no, um, he did what we said he couldn't do. Yeah. If you if you told us before the game, hey, he's going to throw these two interceptions and he's going to have a really bad fumble uh, that didn't get lost, but he's going to throw two picks. You would think like, uh, Niners probably not winning that game. Agreed. They're down 17 to three. They're down 17 to three at the half. Mm. He threw a bad pick. Like Niners probably not winning that game. They're down 24, 17 with a minute 27 left and no timeouts. I got to go 88 yards. Eh. Like these are all the situations that when we said like all our misgivings, and I'm going to include you as well, because I think we were on the, on the same page here, but all our misgivings about Garoppolo starting with this injured thumb, were, hey, like, you can't really trust him in those scenarios when he's healthy. How are you going to do it when he's hurt? And he did it. He totally (laughs) did it. He he delivered on in every every spot, save for, you know, the, the red zone pick to Kittle. But he overcame that. And that's a credit to him. This wasn't, this wasn't like, all right, the Saints game. He, that, that's that's the one people circle, right? That's the that's the big Jimmy Garoppolo game. He, he went toe to toe with Drew Brees in the in the in the Superdome, but even that game, like the fourth and two, that was all Kittle. Garoppolo got the ball where it needed to go, and then Kittle rumbles down and gets him into field goal range. Like that, that's the kind of play that people point to, and they go, "Well, Garoppolo doesn't do it; his weapons do it." And the the Niners receivers made plays today for sure, but it was a lot of Garoppolo throwing the ball. Like you can't, you can't take away from a quarterback because he drills one into Debo Samuel deep. And then Samuel makes a nice move and picks up a bunch of yards after the catch. Like you're not going to penalize the quarterback's performance for that. He pushed the ball down the field. He made big throws. Um, He was decisive. He was clearly not hampered by the hand injury. And I think that confidence that he carries, people always talk about, he's unflappable. He's confident. Like if you go watch, watch the game copy again. And Watch to use the business term. Um, uh, watch the game copy again. When they come out after they went down 17 to nothing, you see the offensive linemen all like headbutting each other, and you see Garoppolo come in and he's like directing guys in the huddle. And it was not a we as watchers, as viewers, are going, Oh my god, like this is a train wreck. Where Garoppolo is going, All right, let's get points here, and then we'll get the ball at the half and then score at the half, and it's a seven-point game. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, and that's one of the big things that isn't really quantifiable, but I think that kind of stuff matters. And it, it just, right. they, it, they, they did what I didn't think they could do. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right. We, we talk about, you know, I, and I do it sometimes too, right? Like you, you sort of roll your eyes at the culture conversation and like the positive culture you have inside of a building. And sometimes that can be overstated because you can have the best culture in the world, but if you don't have any talent, it doesn't matter, right? Like you can, you, you can have the best locker room vibe and everybody's best friends and fighting for each other. But if you don't have a good roster, then you're not going to, then you're not going to win games. But where culture is valid is, is in a situation like this, because the way the 49ers rallied is a manifestation of that right? Like being able to come back after getting hit in the mouth, like they did with everything on the line and say, all right, we're going to take it to them. We're going to take over this game physically. We're going to take their soul away because they're not going to be able to stop the run. And then we're going to hit them over the top with a touchdown pass from Debo Samuel. But like, to your point, Jimmy Garoppolo is a very key figure in the culture of the locker room. And that's why, like, that's why it's important in this case, because this the result of this game and all of that fight is a manifestation of the culture and sometimes look like sometimes there are good teams with bad culture and they just have talent they overcome it and they win and sometimes there are bad teams with great culture and sometimes they win more than they shouldn't like the 49ers have have sort of been everywhere on the on that sort of spectrum in the last decade or so but one thing that's remained consistent under Kyle Shanahan in my estimation as being, you know, somebody who covers the team and has been in that locker room. It's like the culture stuff really matters for them. And this is, this is where it comes out. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the big thing that like when, when I think of Jimmy Garoppolo this season, I will think of this game and I yep. will think of, you know, potentially what it meant. Like if the 49ers go on a run, like they, They'll, they'll talk about this game being like, yeah, this was this was the game yeah. that's that was the springboard. And we've seen, look, we the nine and seven Giants won a Super Bowl because it got hot at the right time, right? Like nobody thought yep. when the Ravens beat the 49ers in 2012, nobody thought the Ravens were were a Super Bowl team, right? Well, the Ravens did. They paid Joe Flacco. Well, right. <laughs> but but I mean like entering the playoffs. I right. No, I got I know. So I'm not saying I'm expecting the 49ers to get there or calling my shot or anything, but what I am saying is like if they do make a run, they will point to everything they went to these last couple of weeks, particularly this game and falling down 17 nothing and then say, "Yeah, that's where we got our juice from." Like that's really sort of where this thing started. Well, and I think to to expand on that, you're absolutely right. And for Kyle Shanahan too, this is a guy who at three and five, I work in sports talk radio. We get all the takes. It was Kyle Shanahan's on the hot seat. You got to fire him after this year. This is a, you know, it was, it was all this. And had they lost today, had Garoppolo gone out and not played well and the Niners lose and the saints do what they did and they dominate against the Falcons and they win. And the Niners missed the playoffs and go nine and eight. It's not, Oh, they had an above 500 season. I bounce back next year. It would have been a disaster. It would have been an unmitigated, how long until like five months, six months until training camp of discussion about, hey, this team isn't good enough. Is Kyle Shanahan the right guy? Do you trust him to develop Trey Lance? Yada, yada, yada. It would have been, it would have been an unmitigated disaster. But Jimmy Garoppolo goes and does what he does today now all of a sudden the Niners are 10 and seven they're in the playoffs and a lot of what we talked about you said at the top of this podcast the the regular season doesn't matter anymore and that's correct all that's going to matter in the scope of this year is that the 49ers made the playoffs and Jimmy Garoppolo got it done in the biggest moment of the of of his tenure with the 49ers biggest regular season moment even even the Seahawks game in, in, in 2019, week 17, they were in the playoffs. 
like they were playing for the division and, and the number one seed, which was a big deal in kickstarting their 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 run of the Super Bowl. But if they lose that game, they're still in the postseason. Yeah, they're, they're still going to have a chance. Seed. They're a five seed and they're that nobody wants to play. <laughs> right. But this was, dude, if you lose, you're out. So I just, the, the, I, I'm, I'm with you. That, that was a like era defining moment for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like it, it's, it depends a little bit on how, on how the postseason goes, but I think if they play well against Dallas or beat Dallas and Jimmy Garoppolo does move on in the, in the, in the, in the off season, I think a lot of the kind of issues people had throughout this year are going to go by the wayside because of what he did against the Rams. Yeah. You kind of get the Can feeling we... too. Oh, go ahead. Good. You kind of get the you feeling go. too, like any big game, if the 49ers could pick an opponent, it would probably be the Rams. Is that fair? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the 49ers season, the 49ers regular season was kind of defined by two games against the Rams. They were three yeah. and five in that point. And, and needed to, bounce back in a big way in that Monday night game and they go out and thump the Rams by what three scores? Yeah, 31-10. 31-10. And then come into SoFi Stadium and and beat the Rams and pack the house with Niners fans and beat the Rams in a do or die game and do it in a way that like I mean just to, to what happened in the third the, the third quarter when they even when Debo Samuel scored, I was like, oh, they're they're taking control of this game right now. Because it didn't feel like the Rams really had a counterpunch in them. And then they did later after after Jimmy Garoppolo threw the through the interception. But like the back to back touchdown drives, it was like, oh man, the 49ers and- are dominating this game. But on on the other hand, like in a lot of 49ers losses, there were there have been mo- moments where it felt like they were dominating the game like the Tennessee game or like the first Seattle game. Like there, there have been instances where it's like, man, the 40s are 49ers are dominating and then they end up losing. Right. Right. But so that's what, I mean, the, the improbability, easy for me to say, the improbability of this game is really something that I'll, that I'll remember just like all of the, you know, the numbers, the Sean McVay, McVay being 45 and 0 when leading at halftime, the Niners being 1 and 89 since 2011 in games where they trailed by 17 points. Um, mm-hmm. The 0.4% chance at winning after punting the ball away at the two minute warning. Can we talk about that? In the moment, I was like, wait, Please. they're down seven. It's fourth and 18 at the two minute warning. They do have all three of their timeouts, but they're punting. Yeah. Like my first reaction was like they're punting, and I was like, "Oh man, that's yeah." Like that was that was wild in the moment, and then because you knew like there were, all the Rams needed was a first down to win it, and or right. yeah to win it, and then Fournier's got the stop. I mean, it was that was that was a wild wild game, and um, and I I just think it's a credit to the 49ers and and you know because that's not like that those moments are team defining moments right mm-hmm. and so you know no matter what happens this rest of the season i think they'll be able to say well we had that rams game we won when he needed to to get into the playoffs obviously yeah. the goal now is to win the super bowl but you know we'll uh you know what go ahead you're going to remember all those throws i'm going to take with me the QB sneak in the third quarter. Oh yeah. On the drive that very undervalued play on the on the second touchdown drive of the third quarter. I thought that was just vintage Garoppolo on the sneak. Underrated skill. Undervalued skill. Underpaid. Uh Damn, I screwed. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um the other thing I want to talk about in this game well, first of all, real quick, the phrase you're going to hear a lot this week is nobody wants to play the 49ers. Like, that's just going to be every NFL thing you consume, whether it's this podcast or another podcast or something on NFL Network or ESPN. You're going to get a lot of like, this is a team nobody wants to play. So buckle up for that. And I think that's true because of what you saw in the in the third and fourth quarter against the Rams. Um, 
I want to talk about too. Speaking of teams getting punched in the mouth, the 49ers defense was unbelievable in the second half. It was it was fine in the first half too, but in the second half they were. It looked like remember the early part of 2019 when their their pass defense was like on a historic pace in terms of like yards allowed. That's what the second half felt like to me. Every drop back, it was like, oh, he's getting sacked. And Stafford got sacked five times and eluded like four or five more where he escaped and just stuffed it into the ground. That was an unreal performance from the defensive line. I thought Ambry Thomas played really well. Having Emmanuel Mosley back was huge. He came up with an interception. Ambry Thomas had an interception. When was the last time? It might be this year, and I just don't remember. When was the last time 49ers cornerbacks both had interceptions in a game? I can't remember. Yeah, that's a good question. That requires some crack research from our team. Yeah, I might, I might try and dive into that, but like, it doesn't happen that often. And it was such a concern going into this week with guys on COVID and okay. One Williams is out, but man, I thought they were really, really good. Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham Jr. Were virtually silent. Um, it was also the best game I've seen Eric Armstead play. He was unreal. Two and a half sacks, three quarterback hits, two tackles for loss. And like there, there isn't any other like game really that I can think of where you can say, wow, that was an excellent Eric Armstead game, right? Like not that he, not that he's always played bad, but when Eric Armstead's playing well, it's kind of like nondescript. It's like, oh, Eric Armstead was really solid against the run or like Eric Armstead had like a sack and a half. It was like, no, this was a huge moment and a huge game. And Eric Armstead was one of the best players on the field with two and a half. They couldn't stop him. They could not. They had no answers for Eric Armstead. Arden Key was getting home. Um, Sanson Ebukam was getting home. It felt like Nick Bosa was close to like four sacks. Yeah. He was credited with with, um, half half a sack, but he had a couple quarterback hits and two tackles for loss. They had 13 quarterback hits. Yeah. And Stafford was roughed up. Was roughed up. Mm-hmm. Like his ankle or his leg, whatever it was that he was limping around on, looked like a real issue as the mm-hmm. game went on, and and that's that's what the 49ers have to have, right? And that and when we talk yeah. so much about you know not trading the or their, their decision to trade to Forrest Buckner, it was like because they were missing that element, they were missing that element of an interior pass rush with Buckner gone. I mean, on top of everything else, but like when you watch a game like this, you're like, all right. Now it looks a little bit justifiable to move on from DeForest Buckner when you can you can get a game like that from Eric Armstead. Right. And that, that's what they were anticipating when they signed him. Right. Like those kind of games. But yeah, he was he was if they're if like forget the offense. I, I think their offense is gonna score. If their defense shows up like it did, that's where it's like, okay, now you see them swinging some upsets because I think their path, if I'm if if I have this right, their path to a Super Bowl would be would be, and I don't want to dive all the way into this. We'll do it later in the week. But their path to the Super Bowl would be at Dallas, at Green Bay, at Tampa Bay. And if you're going to win even one of those games, it's going to require a game up front like they got today. And even and even too, when talking about what their defense did, it it all started up front. Their their line was was excellent, um, but even the like the Tyler Higby touchdown, the second one that was Thomas was there. Higby just has you know six inches and fifty pounds on him, and and went up over the top, and then like the deep completion to Cooper Cup where Jimmy Ward had really tight coverage, a just unbelievable throwing catch. Like there was nothing today. A lot of my concern with the 49ers this year has been has been their defense and specifically their pass defense, and what they did in the second half today made me think like, Oh, they can hang with Dallas. They can hang with Arizona or Tampa Bay or green Bay. Like I I thought they did as good a job as they've done in a long time. Yeah. Like the, the long play, maybe I'm overreacting to Cooper cup. Like I thought, you know, Jimmy Ward had good coverage. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they, they missed up, they messed up the coverage on the cup touchdown, but, yeah, I, I thought defensively they played 
a really good game. I mean, the Rams, do you know how many yards the Rams had total in this game? Uh, I I don't. Are you asking me? They had 265 yards. I don't know. Good God. 265 yards of offense. Like that's man. the second half summary. The the Niners had 287 yards in the second half. The Rams had 103. Niners almost tripled Jeez. them up in yardage in the second half. So and how was, many of those? Matt Stafford in the second half, five of 12, 76 yards. And a bunch of those came on that one touchdown drive after the interception. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I mean, <laughs> D'Amico Ryans has done... That's, yeah, that was 92 of their yards. Yeah. D'Amico Ryans has done a very good job. He's excellent. Um, really, really good. Do we want to get to pick six? Yeah, let's get to pick six. Tyler, hit the, hit the, hit the thing. We missed one thing I wanted to talk about, but we can get to it here in pick six. On every Friday show before each game, Chris and I each pick three players that total six, three players each that we think will have an impact or need to have an impact for the 49ers to have a big game. The picks this week started with me and I took Nick Bosa. We talked about him. Honestly, like of the 49ers defensive linemen, I thought he was maybe like the third most prevalent today. Arden Key was in the backfield a lot. We talked about Eric Armstead, but Bosa was doing Bosa stuff. Uh, he was he was he was good. I mean, the thing is with Bosa is that he commands so much attention that it mm-hmm. that plays a role in allowing the other guys to get favorable matchups and and exploit them. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that happened today for sure. He he didn't play poorly. The sack numbers weren't there, but he was around the quarterback a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nick Bosa is going to be an incredibly important 49er in the, in the postseason. Second pick, your first pick, Debo Samuel, who had just like the most Debo Samuel game of the year this year. I'll, I'll hand this over to you since he was your pick and might single-handedly win you this week. 95 yards receiving, including a 55-yarder on the game-tying drive. Um, 45 rushing yards and that rushing touchdown, which proved massive. The biggest touchdown of the game, that wasn't the game tire to Juwan Jennings was the one that he threw to Juwan Jennings. So Debo Samuel has now, he has what eight rushing touchdowns on the season, which is the most ever for a wide receiver. Um, And he still had 95 receiving yards and he threw a touchdown pass in the biggest game of the season. Like it was, it feels like a Debo Samuel signature game, but it also feels kind of typical of what Debo Samuel does. So like, but it was just, I mean, if Debo Samuel ends up having like one of these careers where when you, like you think about, you know, an era of 49ers football and you think about Debo Samuel in the same way that I think people will think about George Kittle, like that's ultimately what you want. Like that's what you want. That's the guy that you're going to pay a lot of money to. Right. And like mm-hmm. he came up huge in a huge moment. I think he's been one of the best players, probably one of the best 10 players in the NFL this season, full stop at any position. And he proved it in the biggest game of the year. Like he's just an incredible player, super versatile, a guy who is willing to just run right into Jalen Ramsey's face and not really worry about it. Like that's rare, right? Like we're talking about the best cornerback in the league and one of the best defensive players in uh, in the league. And Debo Samuel's relishing that opportunity and giving it right to him. Um, like, I, I just, it's super impressive. Like, Debo is a De- star bordering on a superstar, depending on, on what happens in the postseason here. Just listen to this stat line. And this is to drive home your point. Eight carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Six targets, four catches, 95 yards. One pass, one completion, 24 yards, and a touchdown. Any other player does that, it's like headlines. Debo does it, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, Another good Debo game. <laughs> it's like it's like when Steph Curry goes like nine of thirteen from three, which is outrageous, and it's just like, okay, okay, 
was good. <laughs> Not trying to take anything away, but that's just like you said, the standard he's set is here. 95 receiving yards, 45 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. Why not? Hey, why not? We're going to start of seeing course. more receivers. And people talked about this after 2019, but like this season, I think really drove it home. We're going to start to see yes. more receivers do more running back stuff because they're just talented like that. And it's going to yep. be because Debo Samuel really set the trend. Yes. As like one of the best players yes. in the NFL to do it. It's not like a gimmick sort of like Cordero Patterson is. Right. Like it, it really right. feels like Debo is, it has the ability to change the way front offices evaluate that position. Yes. Is that fair? I think a lot of front offices, I think, yeah. And I think a lot of front offices too in the past would have just looked at his size. I think it was Albert Breer who made this, who made this point online today. And I thought it was a good one. A lot of front offices would probably look at Debo or a lot of coaches would probably look at Debo and go, Oh, you're a running back. Like and that, or you are a receiver. You're a slot possession receiver. That is what you're going to do. Right. And the 49ers benefit a lot from having a head coach who doesn't view football in a linear way. And I think viewing it and seeing a player who is built like a running back with receiver skills and going, oh, well, let's see if he can do both. That's that's just the proper way to think about sports. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, good players, talented players doing the things they're talented at shouldn't be like a groundbreaking thing, but it very much is. Yeah. Because we're and so used Debo's to the perfect player for it. Yeah. We're so used to molds for players. Like, and it happens in the NBA all the time, right? Yes. It's like, it happens in the NBA even more so. I think Yeah, like big men can't shoot threes. Well, now it's like, if you're a big man, you kind of have to shoot threes. All right. Third pick George Kittle. Not another, not so great game for him today. I mean, he's a super important run blocker, especially with, with Trent Williams out, which we didn't even mention, which I think is a little bit of a credit to Colton McKivitz. He gave up a really bad sack late in the game. But other than that, bona fide dirt dog, Kurt, Colton McKivitz. Um, no, I thought I, I thought Kittle would have a way bigger impact than he did as a, as a pass catcher. And you mentioned it. The Niners tried to force him the ball a little bit, and it just wasn't, it just wasn't happening. I was expecting a big, you know, eight, catch hundred plus yard game. And it didn't, didn't happen. So Tough. we talked, we, we talked about what Nick Bosa does for his teammates mm-hmm. in terms of generating or being the focus of so much attention from opposing defenses that like that it could potentially open things up for other people. Mm-hmm. It seemed like every time they did go to George Kittle, there were two, two or three guys on him. Um, so yep. I, I think that's a dynamic of the offense. Like, I don't think George Kittle played poorly. And certainly when the Niners run the ball like they did, you're not going to say that, that George Kittle played poorly in that, in that situation. But yeah, you would think he would be more productive in the passing game. And I'm, I still am surprised that there aren't more just easy touches for Kittle baked into the game plan each week. But you're kind of limited mm-hmm. when you have to give Debo Samuel as much, um, as many touches as you do. So that's part of it. But yeah, I mean, five catches, 10 yards. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but still you could tell you could tell they were trying to get it to him in space and it just wasn't it just wasn't happening. Yeah. And you know, maybe a better throw on that pass to him that Jalen Ramsey, you know, Jalen Ramsey had to oh. like fully extend to tip that ball before he ended up getting it. Like if that throw is to George Kittle's other shoulder, I mean, is it a touchdown or it's at least near the goal line, right? I haven't gone back and rewatched it. I don't think it's a touchdown because he was surrounded by so many players, but I mean they're inside the ten. Yeah, they're inside the 10. inside the five. Not a not a yeah. Pick. I was I, I picked him expecting a big receiving game, and um, we got a big Debo game instead, and a big Ayuk game. Yeah. Yikes! I'm excited. Fourth pick. pick. Yeah, let it rip, man. Your hipster pick, maybe the most hipster pick of the year. You picked Daniel Brunskill. I have a question for you, Kyle. Okay. At any point in the second half, did you have the thought? Because I had the thought. Hey, doesn't Aaron Donald play for the Rams? Yes. <laughs> I did have that thought. Aaron because Donald did no, not because, do much today. And... Dude, it is inexplicable. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Daniel Brunskill is that guy. 
he's just that guy. Kyle Shanahan, you remember that game in 2019 in LA when the Niners went down and beat the Rams and it was sort of the game that like announced them as real contenders. They didn't have yeah. either of their starting tackles in that game. Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley were both out. This Correct. is the second time the Niners have gone to LA, won a game in their home <laughs> stadium without their starting tackles. While, while basically nullifying Aaron Donald into like a, oh yeah, he's on the Rams. Like one of the best Did- players of all time. With Daniel Brunskill. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, it's like Aaron Donald is all of us and Daniel Brunskill is the last two years. <laughs> it's like, what the? F- <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But yeah, like just kind of leaves you walking to the sideline, throwing your helmet and going, what the F? It doesn't make any sense. None. It just doesn't make any sense. But it happens. The 49ers, for whatever reason, are good at avoiding Aaron Donald. And Daniel Brunskill is somehow a part of it. When it comes down to it. That was the point of the pick was just like, hey, the 49ers win. It's going to a big part is going to be because they limit Aaron Donald and Daniel Brunskill is going to be part of that equation. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I watched Daniel Brunskill super closely in that game. But I know Aaron Donald wasn't like this huge force that changed things for that wrecked the game for for the Niners. So credit to Daniel Brunskill and Alex Mack and and Lakin Tomlinson for all the work they did. Yeah. So so I think part of it has to do Aaron Donald seven tackles, one tackle for loss, and a and a quarterback hit. But that could have you know he is typically more productive than that. Would and I'll be interested to see Eric how many Armstead pressures or Aaron Donald. That's a, that's a joke. It's a great question. Would you rather have Arden <laughs> Key or Solomon Thomas? Ooh. <laughs> Arden Key is the right answer. Yeah. Anyways, so so <laughs> <laughs> the I think part of this, and it's it's something that's worth talking about with the whole Niners dominance over the Rams thing. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming away from Aaron Donald. Yes. And devising ways to make him ineffective and get him stepping the wrong way or um get him looking the wrong way um like if he dominates a rep but it's to a spot in the field where nobody's standing like who cares you know so i just i think that's part of it i think for some reason daniel runskill has a has a has some sort of advantage or something he sees in donald that um he is effective at stopping i don't know but uh i think a lot of it has to do with with the coach doing the game plans to to make it so when Aaron Donald does win a rep, it's not going to destroy the game. So I think we both, I, I agree with everything you said. I think we both agree Good. that I won pick six this week. Yeah, but, by a lot. But did I win because of Debo Samuels? Like, which was a bigger performance, Debo Samuels or Daniel Brunskill's? Debo Samuel. <laughs> Barely. Oh, that was a joke. Barely. It's a, but no, but hang on. No, but let's, let's, I know you were joking, but. It's also not that much of a joke because like, I think you can make an argument. And if we're looking, so here were, here were the other picks. So uh, I took Eli Mitchell five. Mitchell was, um, he's, he's the Niners best running back. He uh, 21 carries 85 yards, four yards a carry and had a couple of those like vintage Eli Mitchell runs where he's got no yards. And then all of a sudden has four yards, lots of those type of runs today. Niners just in general were breaking a lot of tackles today. Yeah. Cause the Rams are dude. Can I, I hate saying this because they're professional athletes and I'm a dipshit with a microphone, but the Rams are in NFL terms soft. Yeah. I think they're a little soft. I don't I, again, in the scope of the NFL universe, I Kyle am not calling them soft. I think to other NFL teams, they are considered that. Every member of the Rams would thoroughly whoop my ass. I'm freely admitting that. I would say the Rams are at a disadvantage against physical teams. That's how I would put it. <laughs> soft is a okay. is a loaded is a loaded ass adjective in the NFL. <laughs> but okay, it's fine. a fair point. I'm not if in the NFL though. Yeah, no, you're I, you're not. I don't think you're wrong. I'm just saying you I would word in the it mouth today. <laughs> if okay, I were writing fine. it, I'd word it differently. There, they're at a disadvantage when the other team <laughs> I was gonna say when the other team is hard. 
Okay. You can't say that. It's been a long uh, okay. season. Uh, no, okay. I have, I have, I'm trying to make a Daniel Brunskill point. Uh, Fred <laughs> Warner was your pick. Fred was. Warner was your last pick, right? Okay. Yeah. So Fred Warner was Fred Warner today. Yeah. But if you're, if you're ordering these, Bosa, Debo, Kittle, Brunskill, Mitchell, Warner, I think it's Debo one, Brunskill two. Oh, yeah. Give me that W. <laughs> yeah. And then probably Mitchell and then Bosa, Warner, and Kittle. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's Daniel Brunskill was good. Shout yeah, out. And the broader point here is probably more about Kyle Shanahan being able to figure out ways to avoid Aaron Donald, not necessarily Daniel Brunskill just being like Aaron Donald's kryptonite. I, I mean, not to say that Daniel Brunskill's played bad. <laughs> it is just. It is just wild that <laughs> this happens when the Niners play the Rams. Like it's probably the most inexplicable yeah. <laughs> thing. It's like the Niners can not have either of their starting tackles go against Aaron Donald and the Niners are still fine against like it's a pretty fun. good pass rush. It's it's it doesn't it doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah, I just <laughs> I love the idea though of them sitting down in the meeting rooms and be like Danny Bruns, you got 99? Great. Next thing. <laughs> got Next him, item. Coach. He's mine. Like a, like a basketball stop, now how do we player? stop Greg Gaines? Yeah. <laughs> Lock him down. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to get to before we – I'm going to I'm gonna probably have more to say about this game after a, after a rewatch and getting to digest it a little bit just because it was such a roller coaster. Yeah. But the last thing I want to talk about is uh, shout out to Ambry Thomas who couldn't get on the field until injuries forced him there. And then he played well enough to stay in the spot ahead of Dante Johnson at the, in the starting spot across from Josh Norman and just got better every week. Um, I think there was a discern he's first started in, in week 13 I know. I'm sorry. Week 14 uh, against the Bengals wasn't great. Was a little better against the Falcons, and then I think just got kind of better and better as the season's gone on. And he came up with the game ceiling interception today uh, while defending Odell Beckham Jr., which I thought was really really cool, given the season he's had. So, just wanted to shout that out because that was a really cool way um, to to end the regular season. Another rookie defender coming up big for the Niners in the final week of the year. And on a similar note, this isn't about a rookie, but somebody, I mean, there, there were a few guys like Robbie gold punting was kind of wild and like not screwing it up. Like Mitch Wisnowski leaves that game and you kind of think, Oh no, oh, like, yeah. Is this really going to harm the 49ers? It doesn't. Um, and also Kyle use for not mishandling any holds in a game that went to overtime. Yep. The 49ers, I mm-hmm. think, had nine points that came via kicks when it, you know, either field goals or extra points. They don't get any of mm-hmm. those. They lose because the Rams win because the game wouldn't have gone to overtime. <laughs> Good um, point. <laughs> and, but the, you mentioning Ambry Thomas reminded me that Dante Johnson, like, he's not like a great player, but the fact that the Niners didn't have K1 Williams today and Dante Johnson's able to go in and play the slot. And then move to safety mm-hmm. when like Jaquaski Tart and Tano Hufanga are dealing with issues and like playing strong safety and dime packages. And then Darquez mm-hmm. Denard coming in and playing slot. Like the Niners secondary, and a lot of it had to do with the pass rush, obviously, but the Niners secondary mm-hmm. had its bad moments, but like was ultimately pretty solid. And and bringing up yeah. Ambry Thomas, like it was it was it was him for sure, but it was definitely like a combination of everybody else. And like Emmanuel Mosley hasn't played in weeks mm-hmm. because of his ankle injury. So oh, you have really on one side a guy who's been hurt for a long time, the other side a rookie who was just out of football last year, who had to, you know, just like really learn to play at the NFL level before he could even get on the field and be active to making a game ceiling mm-hmm. interception in the biggest game of the season. Um, Dante Johnson, who like, I love the barnacle nickname. I don't know who came up with that. Um, but I'm a fan because it, it totally fits and he's just bounced around the league so much, but he's stuck with San Francisco and, and just, I mean, this guy was, this guy was drafted in 2014. Like he yeah. was drafted by Trent Balky. <laughs> this is, and this is, so 
he's a classic one of those guys that like yeah he's not a great nfl player he's probably if he's starting 16 games for you you're probably in a little bit of trouble but the fact he's good enough to hang around an nfl roster for eight freaking years is a testament to him as a player like that's that's really impressive that he's done that like you said able to come in today and play multiple spots that's yeah, shout out, shout out Dante Johnson too. And Jawan Jennings, we mentioned him earlier, but I think you and I picked him in pick six like four consecutive weeks. And then he finally breaks out with whatever six catches and 85 yards and two touchdowns. This is what we were waiting for, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and it we've... doesn't, it's not a surprise. Like that guy's a brawler and he showed up at a brawl. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. shocking. Yeah, I agree. And, body bag game. And we spent so much time in the offseason talking about the 49ers third receiver situation. Like it kind of feels solidified right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like you feel pretty good well, about your, like you, you would love. Yeah, you would love like a shifty slot receiver who can maybe return punts to sure. like add in the offseason as like a project. But in terms of like filling Kendrick Bourne spot, finally, you, like you feel pretty good about Jawan Jennings after that game. And really all season, like he hasn't lit it up from a statistical standpoint, but it feels like Jawan Jennings has made a lot of big plays and he scored a lot of touchdowns. Right. And like, if you go back and look at Kendrick Bourne's stat lines, it's like, could Jawan Jennings do that? I think so. 48 catches, (laughs) 48 catches, 450 yards, a few touchdowns. That's, that's not out of the realm. Yeah. The 33 yard catch and run he had in overtime was like the quintessential, like when you watch him in college, like that's what he did. Like he's going to catch it and then be hard as hell to bring down. Yeah. That's a big play in the game. And he's an excellent blocker, which matters when you run the ball as much as an Irish do. Had a big block on the Debo Samuel touchdown. There you go. Look at that. Fun game. Crazy. So now we got to talk playoffs. Eventually. We got to watch some Cowboys tape. Can't wait. I'm gonna break them down that cowboys tape in the lab. Can I make an early prediction? Oh, sure. Leighton Vander Ash is gonna be prediction. in hell this week. That's that seems fair. I think the Cowboys defense is in for it. I need to I mean, offensively, the Cowboys will be a tough matchup given all the talent they have at receiver. And I know we just credited the 49ers secondary, but Cowboys receivers are going to be a problem and Dak Prescott's going to be a problem, but the Cowboys defense, I think is very exploitable to your point about Van Der Esch. I don't think he'll be the only one, but I we'll, think you're, you're probably right. We'll discuss it more later in the week. Chris, thanks, man. Oh, thank you. Wow. You just thanked me after I'm, I'm working on it. My... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chris, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining. Uh, I was trying. All right. So here's what happened. Uh, I'm going to peel back the curtain for everybody. I'm working on my outs. And just getting out of pods. So I was trying it. I dove in head first. No water in the pool yet. That's fine. We'll regroup. Um, Chris, that game was a lot of fun. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have a midweek guest for you. And then we'll, of course, have our preview show on Friday. We'll record it Thursday. Comes out Friday. Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't. See ya. See ya.